Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Thank you, guys. Bless you. Bless you. So honestly, I kind of crashed the party today. Um, I was speaking at a conference in Amarillo yesterday. And uh, so I just called up a few weeks ago and said, hey, I'm going to be in the area. I'd love to just drop in. I didn't mean to speak. I just meant to drop in and see what y'all are doing. But they graciously invited me to speak, too. So it's good to crash the party here. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And barbecue is my favorite food in the world. And, of course, Austin does that better than anybody in the world. So, you already have my heart and my, no, I won't say that. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) I have a couple uh, resources. Um, Anybody writing books? Yeah. I... uh, I only have one of my books here because we sold out at the at the conference I was just at. Um, so I have a, a few of these left, uh, Prophetic Company. But I've written 24 books. I wrote six books in one year while traveling two weeks a month all around the world. I have an anointing to accelerate people finishing their books. And uh, so if you're writing a book, stand up. I'm going to pray over you right now. Hey, don't freak out that everybody's writing books right now because um, we are in a transition that's so big, it takes thousands of tongues to capture what God is doing in every area. There were strategic times in history where things shifted like the Welsh Revival. And I wish I could go back and just read everything that was written in 1904, but it was very rare to write things in 1904 when that revival happened. But God is birthing something in our generation that is so unique that I want to give you confidence first that your writing a book is not a fad. It is actually a God thing where he's made it accessible to all of us to express what God is speaking in our spheres of influence. And it's, it's literally going to take tens of thousands of voices to capture all the transitions that God's releasing in our generation. And so uh, I, release, I release my grace over you, honestly. I receive this grace from the Father, and so I know I can release it over you because um, he's in the house. And, and so, Father, I just release a quickening spirit, an acceleration in Jesus' name. And those that are battling with perfectionism, Lord, we just come against that with humility in Jesus' name. That we, are, we don't have to be the expert on the subject. We don't have to create from destination. We create from the journey. And we say, this is where I'm at so far in this journey. And so, Father, I just ask for a grace to finish I thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are both the author and the finisher of our faith. And in the same way that we have identified with you as the author, now we identify you as the finisher. 
And we identify with you and your finishing grace. And I pray for an acceleration for closure on these books, on these projects, in Jesus' name. I pray for an acceleration on capture, in Jesus' name. That you just be able to capture things that have been eluding you. And I speak grace over your life for the completion of these books. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just thank the Lord for that. That was good. I didn't even know I was going to do that. Thank you, Jesus. So this is, uh, this is one of my books. This is called Prophetic Company. It's the joyful journey toward building prophetic communities. You know, we used to only add prophecy when a prophet would come to town. And a prophet would come to town, then they'd call people out, and some people would hide, some people would wear bright colors. And uh, depending on whether you wanted someone to speak into your life or not, or by how the prophet's theology was, you know what I mean? And... Um, and, and then when they would leave, prophecy would leave with him. But we are living in a different generation. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this generation. That uh, God poured out his spirit on all flesh so every son and daughter could prophesy. And out of that, we could build a whole prophetic community. The scripture says that we know in part and we prophesy in part. Because we only get parts, we need everybody else's part. And your part to the prophetic picture is important. And so this talks about the building of that community. But also, I was raised Presbyterian. There's many great Presbyterian churches out there. The one I went to just didn't happen to be one (laughs) of those. Um, Because they didn't preach the gospel. Come on. Can we really call it a church if they don't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ for salvation? And, um, and so that's what I went to. And, and, and my church taught that the gifts of the Spirit were no longer for today, that apostles and prophets are no longer for today. It's a theology called cessationism. And so when I came into the things of the Spirit, I was just a teenager. I was 15 years old when I started preaching the gospel. And, uh, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and, uh, and began to speak in tongues and see miracles, signs and wonders, seeing you know, blind eyes open. We had one meeting where 30 blind people were healed in one meeting. Yeah. I was in Russia last year, and we had three resurrections in 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, I mean, I've seen a few things, but the, the challenge is this. I was kind of getting cut off from my family line because... I didn't believe, I believe that gifts are still in operation, you know, it's kind of hard after you see what I've seen, you know. I don't even have the luxury of doubt, (laughs) you know. If you haven't seen anything, you can still doubt, but I don't have the luxury of doubt anymore. I can only choose not to believe what I've seen. Um, And uh, anyway... Uh, I had to go back historically and say, hey, if, gifts, if, if God never left, if his power and his gifts and his miracles never left, then what happened to him? How come the majority of churches around the world don't know about this? And historically, I went back and I found the roots that basically in the third century, there was a transition in the church. And I go through those historical transitions in this book and show where gifts of the Spirit began to disappear and become less common in church. And the thing about it is it's not just a historical exploration. It also helps you know why the gifts aren't always working in you. 
Because it's not just about theological cessationism, it's about personal cessationism. Like maybe you believe God still moves, he just never does it for me. You know what I mean? And, and here are four keys that just help break off that lie off of you. So I want to give this to someone who was raised um, to not believe in, like your church taught you that this is no longer true. Okay, you're standing and raising your hand. So come on up here. Yeah. Yeah. I want to give this to you. Here, take a hold of this for a moment. I release over you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of understanding of the deep things of the Spirit. <sighs> Hallelujah. That there's going to be an opening of new gifts, of new signs and wonders in your life. But not only that, there's going to be a grounding in the Scripture that comes out of you. And uh, I just bless that over you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's more to that, but... We'll just leave that in impartation. So now I, I actually teach on spiritual gifts. I have these little uh, uh, USB drives, so that, that pops out and goes in your computer just showing you because otherwise people email me and, how do you open this, you know? So there it is. Do you see? I'm demonstrating right now. But uh, spiritual gifts, honestly, most of them are over 40. So um, you guys probably all got it. You're probably all good, but just checking. Spiritual gifts. I go through the nine manifestation gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and show what they are today and how you activate them in your life. Uh, so how do you activate uh, gifts of healing? How do you activate working of miracles? How do you activate? And, and what are all these gifts? So we go through that. And then there's, the, so there's nine sessions on here. And then there's two bonus sessions I call the seer sessions. This is what happened to me when my oldest son, I have four children and four grandchildren, and when my oldest son was 11 years old, I found out that he was an involuntary seer, that he saw angels and demons with his physical eyes, which freaked me out because I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, and, and so he began to explain to me what he saw and how he interacted with this whole spirit world. And, and so what I did is I interviewed people that are involuntary seers, that see into the spirit world. One was uh, 30, one was 40, one was 60. And just when they began to see what they saw, how that works, and uh, we taught out of the scriptures what this is, and um, then we interviewed them, and we had questions from the congregation. So there's also two bonus sessions on here called the seer sessions. Now, I want to give this to a man in this room whose wife is an involuntary seer. She sees things all the time, and, and you have never really understood her. <laughs> I mean, you love her, but you never, I think it is you. Yeah, come on up. Yeah, take a hold of that. Take a hold of that, because what this is about is a new synergy, a new partnership. You are the ears, she is the eyes. You are the ears, she has the eyes. And together, the eyes and the ears are going to open up a new level of knowing the word of the Lord and the plans of the Lord. And I release that grace over you in Jesus' name to really understand and accelerate that. Hallelujah. We got another one. It's called Living on the Right Side of the Cross. This is my foundational message. This is everything that, everything I preach comes from this place. I will glory in nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ, where I was crucified to the world and the world was crucified to me. And uh, the, the world is not my enemy because of the cross, 
but I'm no good for the world unless I'm first dead to the world so that I don't need anything from it. That allows me to act in love towards it. And, uh, but anyway, what happened to me is I, when I got born again, I identified with the cross of Jesus Christ. I identified with his death for my sin, which is awesome because Jesus died for me, gets the kingdom, you know, gets me into the kingdom of God. It gets me forgiven, and that's awesome. But later, I came to understand that he not only died for me, he died as me. Come on, the cross was a mass suicide. Because the scripture says that one died for all, therefore everybody died. When you understand and identify with Jesus died as me, not just for me, you not only get forgiven of sin, you get freed from the power and the nature of sin. But you don't stop there. You actually, through baptism, enter into his tomb in baptism to have closure with your old man, which is awesome. Closure is powerful. Because, you know, people can be resuscitated until they've been put in the tomb. Then they can't be re resuscitated, only resurrected. Then we follow him in identification all the way to resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the Father, where we are currently seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what happened is I worshipped and lived for the dead Jesus. <laughs> the dead Jesus, honestly. I mean, I mean, not that I didn't believe in, believe in the resurrection. I just didn't identify with the resurrection. I identified only with the death. So I had forgiveness, but I didn't have freedom. When you identify that Christ not only died for you, he died as you, therefore you died, you also experience freedom in Christ Jesus. And when you identify with his resurrection and ascension, then you press into fullness in God. And God did not die for forgiveness. He died for fullness. He died so that he could fill you with the same thing that fills himself. But he couldn't do it until he removed the obstacle. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our sin was the obstacle to God's goal. And that goal was not just to get you into heaven, but to get heaven into you so that you could transform the world around you. And so this is a six-part series, Living on the Right Side of the Cross, how to go from the wrong side of relating to death on the basis of our sin and our failure to relating to the life of Jesus Christ, that right now you've already been made alive together with Jesus. You've ascended. You've been raised up together with him. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be a literal resurrection one day. That's going to happen too. But you might as well get the payoff that you already have. It's, it's pretty awesome, and it, it will absolutely transform your life. It's, it's changed my life. So I want to give this to somebody who has a lot of sin in their life. Uh, just <laughs> raise your... No, I'm teasing. No, really. I, I love that you're raising your hands. That's awesome. You guys are so vulnerable. This is awesome. <laughs> Although I saw you wives pointing to your husbands. I did. I saw that, but I tried to ignore it. She wants it. Awesome. Not because you have a lot of sin in your life, but because you love the message of the cross. I bless you, Renee. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, Renee, there's going to be a, uh, yeah. Awesome. Yep. 
I feel like there's going to be an identification with resurrection that is even beyond. I know you guys already love this message because one of the things I've heard about your husband is that he's a right side guy. I love that. But you're going to have an identification with the resurrection of Jesus, and you're going to have an encounter with Jesus as the resurrection and the life. And the authority of resurrection is going to begin to flow from your hands and your mouth. And you are going to see dead things come back to life. You're going to see dead people come back to life. Hallelujah. I release a grace over you for resurrection in Jesus' name. Through this identification. Whoa. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Didn't know I was going to do that either. That's good. That's good. All right, I have one more to give away, but I'm going to give it away at the end, so uh, let's, let's jump into the Word. There is a scripture that I have absolutely fallen in love with. Don't you love the Word of God? I want to, I want to say something, and, and I might sound a little bit like an old man, a cranky old man for just a moment, and then I'll go back to Happy Dano. But, uh, but I want to say something. I love having my Bible on my phone but it's a little harder to memorize. It's a little harder to meditate on. Because the Bible is uh, always accessible and I can just punch it in, uh, I find that I'm not hiding it in my heart the way that I used to when I was using a physical Bible. And I wanna challenge you guys that there are so many accelerated benefits to hiding the word in your heart. I'm not saying you have to put your phone down and and get a physical Bible, um, but you might want to because actually part of the the tactician, the physical response of holding a Bible, of smelling a Bible, of remembering what page it's on, and there's all kinds of things that will actually accelerate your uh, ability to memorize in that tactile experience. That is pretty powerful. But even if you don't use a physical Bible, let me just say that. um, Memorize the word. Hide it in your heart. Worship team, write scripture songs. Um, This generation doesn't know the word as well. And and it's going to be dangerous if we don't get a hold of it. It's, it's, it's like if we, don't, if we don't hide it in our heart, there's some benefits of the word that you will not uh, walk in the fullness of. And, I, and so I don't want to cut on technology because I love technology, all right? But I am saying um, that you've got to find a way in this new technology to hide that word inside of you, to memorize it, to cherish it, to hold on to it, and... Um, and I'm going to say something weird, but because we're keeping Austin weird, I think it'll be all right, all right? Um, and, and it's going to get weirder tonight, all right? I'm just going to warn you, it's going to get weird in here. And it's my first time here, so I really shouldn't be weird the first time, but I, I'm going to go for it. All right, I believe that there's three ways that you should read the word. First of all, you should read the word for inspiration. In other words, read the word till something pops out at you. That's the word coming alive in you. That's the rhema word of God. 
and, and you need that. You need the inspiration coming from the, from the Word. And what happens is the Holy Spirit who breathed those words through uh, men thousands of years ago is breathing on you as you read it. And so you're connecting not just with the Word, you're connecting with the author. And that's pretty powerful. So read for inspiration. Secondly, read for information. The information itself is transformational. The information in there is, is, is really powerful and, and transformational. So sometimes you just need to read a bunch of content to learn the content, to, to kind of get it inside of you. And so read for inspiration and read for information. All right. The third one is where it's going to get weird. And just hang on for a minute because I'm not coming from any place that is not Jesus-centered. And I'm, not, and I'm talking about honoring the Word of God. All right? But the Scripture says that the Word of God is living and active and powerful. All right? Why would we not read from a book of magic? Like, I wouldn't read from a book of magic, and I, I think you'd be smart not to as well. But why would you not read from a book of magic? Because you'd be afraid that if you read it out loud, one of those spells might happen. Or you'd be afraid that if you read that book, that you might open a spiritual portal where a demon would come in. But you never read your Bible that way. What if this book is so holy that if you read it with that kind of expectation, you might conjure something in the atmosphere? Or you might open a portal to a heavenly realm where an angel would come in. So read for inspiration, read for information, and read like an incantation. No, I'm serious. I got to borrow that word. I got to borrow that word from another team for a moment, um, from the losing team. But it doesn't mean there's not something there. And, and please understand, I'm talking only about centering the word in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything to his honor and his glory. But what I'm telling you is most people don't read their Bible as if by reading it, by saying it, they could conjure something in the, in the room. But the Word of God is not living and active and powerful in your brain. It's living and active and powerful in your mouth. It's living and active and powerful in your feet and in your hands. It's by doing the Word that you transform the world around you. And sometimes we even declare Scripture as if it's, as, as if, the Bible by itself will do something. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you abide in Him and His Word is abiding in you, He shaped the universe with His voice. So when you are resonating on God's frequency and His Word is resonating in your heart, then when you speak, the universe will think that it was God speaking. Because your voice sounds like his voice. That happens when you hide the word of God in your heart. 
That happens when the same Holy Spirit that breathed it through men thousands of years ago is not only breathing it to you, but breathing it through you. And those words have the power to create. Those words have the power to transform. Ha, 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 ha. Are we okay? Are we, are, are we still good? Is anybody? If you want to leave, don't leave yet. Give me another chance because it's going to get weirder for a moment. All right? Okay. Looking at the time. Uh, I know. You're gracious. But I did get up at 5 this morning to fly out here, so, um, so I'm, I'm also thinking of me. Um, All right, let me see if I can do this quick. And because uh, there's, there's a little exercise, a little activation I want to do together. One of the calls that the Lord gave me three years ago was to raise up a Daniel generation. And a Daniel generation is this. Daniel was educated in all the learning and literature of his day. Everybody say learning and literature. So, first thing we want to understand is that Christians should not be anti-education. That does not make you spiritual to not study. That actually makes you ignorant. A, Dan a Daniel generation, like, if, if you think you're too spiritual to read a book by somebody else... Um, you're, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> you're ignorant. The one who despises discipline and learning, the scripture says, is stupid. I didn't use that word because it's a little bit rude, but it is in the Bible. Um, so I want to encourage you, like, we, we need to get educated, <laughs> We, we need to know things, and not just spiritual things, but we need to, to know learning and literature of our day. We, we really do. We need to understand things. All right? <laughs> that didn't land very well. That's, that's okay. That's all right. Um, then... It says that Daniel was 10 times wiser than the astrologers, the magicians, and the enchanters of his day. All right, what is this? It's truth and spirit. He was educated in the truth, but he was 10 times wiser in the spirit realm. I have not met... I don't know if I've met any people that are 10 times wiser than the new age people of our day in spirit realms. Now, they may be more correct, but they don't know as much about the spirit realm as the average new ager. And there's a reason for that. 
There's a bunch of stuff that happens in the spirit that the church never talks about. And, and it kind of reminds me of, of Balaam's donkey. Do you guys know this story? There was this prophet who became a false prophet, but, uh, but he was good to begin with. But uh, he, was, he was riding this donkey, and this angel was uh, standing in the middle of the road to kill him. And he didn't see the angel, but the donkey did. And so the donkey started going around, and he starts beating the donkey. And then the donkey sees that the angel can still reach him, so he pushes up against the wall and crushes the guy's foot, the prophet's foot up against the wall. And now he's really beating the donkey. And he's like, what are you doing, you stupid donkey? Go straight, you know, and he's just... He's just going off. It's road rage. <laughs> Thousands of years ago. That's what road rage looked like. Ah, beating your donkey. <laughs> and, and so, so God opens the donkey's mouth. This is in your Bible. This, this isn't in the Mormon Bible. This is in the real Bible, the, the real one. It says that the donkey's mouth opened, and he said, what are you doing? Why are you beating me? Have I ever done this to you before? I'm saving your life here. Which is pretty cool. I mean, this whole story. I, I don't believe this is metaphoric or allegorical. I, I don't believe it's parabolic. I, I literally believe this is a true account of something that happened. How many are with me? And so this really happens, and, and, and let me now use it as a metaphor or as an allegory for just a moment to say that the church has been yelling at the New Agers and yelling at the sorcerers and the witchcraft and the, and the Harry Potter fans of our day at like beating them like a donkey when they're seen more than we are. I was at a church in New Mexico and the pastor brought up his 12-year-old son and he said, my son really loves Harry Potter stuff and I'm really worried about it. Would you talk to him? I'm like, sure, I'll talk to him. And, and so I sat down and I talked to him and he, and uh, I go, hey, you're really into this stuff. He goes, yeah, I am. He goes, but not the way my dad thinks. He goes, I know all that stuff's not real. I mean, as far as, you know, real in Jesus. But he goes, but when I read Harry Potter, it looks more like the book of Acts than our church does. I'm not kidding. That's what he said. 12 years old. He goes, Harry Potter looks more like the book of Acts than our church services do. And I turned to his dad. I went, I'm with him. I'm, I'm, I'm on his side. We got to quit beating up on the people that see more than we do. But here's the scripture that captured my heart. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I'll just jump down to the second half of 2. And paraphrase it a little bit and then get into three. 
And, and, and Paul basically says this. He says, this is what I've been laboring for. This is what I've been going after. I want you to have the full riches of complete understanding, which is this mystery that has been hidden for generations. It is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now listen, the difference about Christianity is this. It's not just that we have the truth. It's that we know the person who is truth. But at the same time, there are all kinds of truths out there that Christianity doesn't embrace. That's how I was raised. It's like, yes, there's a God, and He is holy and far away, and so behave. That's what I was kind of taught. I didn't know about the sacrifice of Jesus. I didn't know about the love of God, about salvation. There was a lot of truth that hadn't been reconciled for me in the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that there's incredible truths out there in false, in false religions. I, I'm, I'm not talking about a mixture. I'm not saying, ooh, we should combine some of their stuff with some of our stuff. I'm saying it's all our stuff. God created everything. That means the devil created zip, zero. If there is anything that is true, that truth can only be a treasure in the person of Jesus Christ. And the scripture says that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And we are not only reconciling people back to Jesus, we are reconciling truth back to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what happened to me is this. Uh, Three years ago when Doctor Strange came out, do, you, do anybody watch superhero movies? You know, I, I, the Bible college I went to, we would get kicked out of school and expelled for going to a movie. But you could rent all the videos you wanted to. You know what I mean? I don't get it. But, but I go to movies. I try not to preach out of them. You know what I mean? Like, I've heard people preach whole messages out of movies. I'm like, I get it. They are metaphors, but read your Bible. You know what I mean? Like, just saying. <laughs> but anyway, something happened to me. Now, how many saw Doctor Strange? Did you see it? All right. The rest of you should get out more. But, uh, <laughs> but in this movie, there is this, there is this doctor who's like, the head doctor of his day. He is, he is the best at what he does. But he gets into a car accident, and uh, he's, he's crippled through this car accident, and he'll do anything to get healed. He'll do anything to get his need met. And so finally, he goes off to the Eastern religions, and, um, and this is not an endorsement of anything of that kind. All right? You'll hang on with me for a moment. Don't judge me yet. All right? But... Uh, but what happens is he goes to this false religion, and there is this woman who just touches him. And when she touches him, she knocks his spirit man out of his body. And he sees his body, and his spirit is out here, and then it comes back in. And, and he's like, what did you do to me? She's like, oh, I just separated your, you know, and she used different language, but your spirit man from your body. He's like, whoa, I, I don't believe in that. Man is just... 
you know, man is just chemicals. Man is just, and, and, he, and he gave the atheistic viewpoint, you know, the, the secular humanistic viewpoint. And so she did it again, but this time she knocked him good. She knocked him into another realm, and, and he came back, and he's freaking out. He's like, what's in that tea you gave me? She's like, just a little honey, a little lemon, you know what I mean? When that happened, I had a flashback. When I was 14 years old, I gave my life to Christ in a Presbyterian church that, thankfully, our, our senior pastor had just got saved. And, uh, no, seriously. <laughs> and, uh, and so people started getting saved in this little, little farmhouse church. And, um, and uh, I was laying on my bed... It was back in the 70s. I'm laying on my bed, and I have a guitar, and I'm worshiping Jesus. And all of a sudden, and I don't share this publicly hardly ever, but I'm going to help keep Austin weird for a moment. <laughs> my spirit came out of my body. And I was at the top of the room, and I was looking down at myself worshiping Jesus. I didn't know if I died or, or what was happening. And it scared me so bad, I fell back into my body. And uh, I shared it with some people, and, and they told me it must be demonic. They told me I was hallucinating. They told me, don't talk about these things. And, uh, and they beat the donkey. It happened again a few years later, but um, this is not a message on astral projection. This is not a message on out-of-the-body experiences. But I can tell you that when that happened to me, I went, Oh my goodness, this movie came out because these experiences are happening to this generation. This generation is having experiences that the church is not explaining and they're even denying when the scripture is absolutely full of them. Ezekiel had eight out-of-body experiences where God picked him up and held him in a place between heaven and earth. And then after that, he began to have geographic transportation in the night to other locations in the body and the spirit. We can't tell. But eight times to uh, the prophet Ezekiel. It happened so much to Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6. It happened so often to, to Elisha that literally he would go into the room of the king in the spirit and listen to what the king was planning to where he was attacking Israel, and he would come back in the spirit and report it to the king of Israel so that they couldn't be overthrown by the stronger army. And the king literally goes, who is against us? Who's a spy? And they said, none of us are against you. It's Elisha. He can repeat the very words that you spoke in your bedchamber. It happened to Ezekiel. It happened to Elisha. It happened to Elijah. It happened to Isaiah. It happened to uh, Paul. It happened to John the Revelator. It happened to so many people in Scripture. And here's what I'm saying, guys. I'm not preaching about weird experiences tonight. But I am saying this. We are living in a generation where people are already having spiritual experiences. We are not saying, try to have a weird experience. It's really cool. 
That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying weirdness is already happening. Somebody tell us where it is in the Bible. Somebody reconcile this pers this truth that's out here to the person of Jesus Christ because a truth without Jesus can never be a treasure. This city is a capital for encounters. And if we are not a voice for these kind of experiences from a biblical perspective that brings people to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and grounds them in the solid word of God, then don't you criticize them. If you're not going to speak up, then shut up. If you're not going to speak the truth of what is in our Bible... If you're not going to speak about those things in an intelligent way because you've studied to show yourself approved, you've studied to show yourself that you actually know what's in this book, and you didn't let yourself be brainwashed out of the reality of what's in there. Any saved person in this room, your salvation started with an encounter. Because you can't make a decision for Christ, you must be born again. You must encounter him and have your nature transformed into a new creation or, or you need to keep pressing in. So we can't be anti-encounter. That's anti-scripture. But sometimes we think we want to limit the scripture with the theology that we've been taught rather than actually read what the word says and consider the fact that there may be truths that in our generation have not yet been reconciled to the person of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, you have the ministry of reconciliation. I'm telling you that there are all kinds of truths that have not yet found their scriptural foundation, and they have not become yet a treasure in the person of Jesus. And our job in this, in this generation is not just to reconcile people to Jesus. Please be doing that. But some people won't be reconciled until someone can explain What's happening to me? What's happening to me? The only one who's talking about it are the astrologers. And the only ones that are talking about it are the New Agers. And the only one that's talking about it is the sorcerers. And God forbid that you ever mention it in church. You get rebuked. I mean, not a church like this. But what I'm saying is, guys, educate yourself to be a Daniel generation. Educate yourself and humble yourself to say, hey, some people have more truth than we do. It's true, but we have the person of truth where truth becomes a treasure. Because truth without Jesus is never a treasure. And so we got to listen. We got to learn a little bit. We got to humble ourselves. Quit beating the donkey and say, hey, maybe he's seeing something we're not seeing. And then we got to get our nose in the Word of God. I am not speaking about weirdness today. I'm saying weirdness has already happened. I'm saying get wisdom with everything that is within you. And where does wisdom come from? It comes from the mouth of the Lord. It comes from the fear of the Lord. The reverential fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But from His mouth comes wisdom and understanding. And God has spoken in his word about these things to give us wisdom and understanding. If we would just look, it's 
screaming. It's crying out in the streets. It's crying out from the high places. It's crying out at the entry of the gates. Wisdom and his understanding is crying out. Can you hear its voice? Because I'm telling you that this is a city that has a calling. It's a city that has a calling. There's a reason that we're approaching the 20-year anniversary of Keep Austin Weird. I'm serious. It's not by chance. It's not by chance. That tag stuck to this city because this city is actually called to be a place of light, a place of understanding, a place of truth. And you need to get ready. You need to get ready. Don't wait for somebody else to do it for you. Get your nose in the word and start looking for every weird experience that happened in the Bible. Not so that you can pursue weirdness, but get wisdom with all you're getting. Get understanding with all you're getting. Get a wisdom to go, oh, that, yeah, that happened to a guy. That happened to a king 2,000 years ago. It's in some ancient writings. Would you like to see it? Oh, yes, there's dozens of reference to that in ancient writings. I've been reading some of the ancient prophets. Would you like to read it? Point them back to the Word of God so they can have a solid foothold for this truth that reconciles them and the truth to the person of Jesus Christ, and it becomes a treasure. And I'm calling you as a generation. I'm calling you as a house. I'm calling you as a people. I believe this church has an assignment in this realm. And, and, and don't go off, start trying to interpret people's stuff if you don't have word for it. It's not doesn't mean you're wrong. It means you're not ready. Because you know what? We got to ground these truths in the word of God and in the person of Jesus Christ. And until you are ready to reconcile it in those two ways, you're not ready really to talk about it. You can talk about it in discussion, but don't talk about it like an authority. So get your nose in the Word and learn it. Get your nose in the Word and grow. Get your nose in the Word and prepare yourself like you're learning a foreign language to go on a mission field. Because there is a language of the Spirit and a people of the Spirit that are being attracted to this city and gathering in this city, and you don't know their language. We know a bit, but we don't know enough. We don't know enough to give them word for it. We don't know enough for that truth to come back into the treasure of the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm calling you. I am calling you as a prophet of God, and I don't say that word very often. I really don't. For somebody who, who teaches on the prophetic almost every week of my life, I, I, I don't play the prophet card hardly ever, maybe once every year or two, and I'm playing it right now because I am not preaching right now. I am calling as a prophet. Wake up. Wake up. It's not that you're doing something wrong. It's that there's something more to do. It's not that you're doing something wrong. You're doing great. This house is full. There's life in here. There's love in here. The Holy Spirit is here. It's powerful. It is presence-based. There's so much that's good about this place. But I'm saying there's something unique about this city that you are called to and uniquely gifted to reconcile to the person of Jesus. 
You guys are in Bethel, Austin because you have a passion for the supernatural. Just quit assuming that you know what it is. Seriously. Seriously. I had to kneel at the feet of my 11-year-old son and have have him teach me about angels and demons. After studying for years, after preaching thousands of sermons, after after teaching in Bible colleges, I'm like, I want to know. Tell me, how does this work? And he would share his experiences, and I would go find him in the Word. He'd share his experience. I would share the Word. And together we would reconcile that truth to the Word of God so that it could point to the Lordship of Jesus Christ because these truths are only a treasure in Jesus. I'm telling you that there is a bridge that God wants you to build with people that are already spiritually awakened in a way, spiritually sensitive in a way, but, but so, you know, they have no Jesus context. And not everything that's happening to them is demonic. A lot of it is, but not everything There's truths there that are waiting to be reconciled to the person of Jesus Christ that are thicker in the word than a lot of your pet scriptures. So I went long. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah. But I'm just calling you. I, I feel like the Lord three years ago said, Dano, my name is Daniel. But he, he calls me by my nickname, Dano. He said, Dano, I want you to raise up a Daniel generation. And, and there's only certain places I do this, and this is one of the places I felt led to do this. We're getting ready for the 20-year anniversary of this first statement, Keep Austin Weird. And there is a weirdness in this city that is part of its identity. And you have the, wi- the wisdom in the word and in the person of Jesus Christ, to reconcile that weirdness to something that is a treasure, to something that's an absolute treasure. And so some of you know that we've been using words of knowledge and the prophetic and even some of these experiences, some of these Ezekiel experiences, some of these Isaiah experiences, to find missing children, to help solve crimes, to, uh, to rescue kidnapped victims. We have a team of 4,000 people around the world that are doing this because we took those truths and reconciled them back to Scripture and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a whole bunch more treasures out there that are truths outside of Jesus. Now let's get this straight. There's no name given among men by which we must be saved. Don't you mix any of their stuff with our stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying anything that's true can only be true, ultimately, in the person of Jesus Christ. So when you hear something, you look for it in the Word with an open heart and an open mind, and you look for it in the Word, and then when you find it, you're like, oh my goodness, that is true. Now what does that look like in the person of Jesus? And how do we reconcile this truth to the honor and the glory of God? It's simple, but it's powerful. And it's going to give you a foothold in this city, that may be a prototype around the world. There's so much more. There's absolutely so much more. All right. So 
I have a series back there. This is not a sales pitch. Honestly, I just don't have time to share all this. I have a four-part series called, series called Wisdom for Weird and Wonderful God Encounters. And I actually credentialed this a lot better. Um, <laughs> run with it, man. Run with it. That's awesome. And, uh, and, and so I chronicle it a lot better. But then in the second one, I teach all about where does it talk about out-of-body experiences and what do we do with those? And then I, I talk about encounters with nature. Some of you have had animals or a tree speak to you or something like that. And listen, it's, it's in the book. It's, it's there. And, um, and then we're talking about the great cloud of witnesses and interactions with the great cloud of witnesses and stuff like that. And, uh, and in all of this, we're not talking about weirdness. We're talking about wisdom. We're talking about wisdom. Of how do we reconcile these to the word and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Who came out of the New Age movement? You got saved out of the New... Yeah, come on up here. Take a hold of this for a moment. Now, Father, I thank you that there is an angel being assigned right now. There is a spirit of understanding being assigned to you right now in Jesus' name. Ho, Lord of hosts, release that spirit of understanding. Whew. That take it, take some of the things that were spoken of and some of the things that were experienced, and you wonder about them at times. Um, you know you'll never go back, but you wonder about them at times because there was something there that was undeniable. And the spirit of understanding is going to help show you where it's at in the word and awaken it within the word. And you're going to come away with truths that become treasures. And they're going to increase your intimacy with Jesus and your effectiveness in the earth. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, bless you. Bless you. I'm going to pray for all of you in just a moment. But I'm, I'm going to do something real quick. I want one person from this side of the room. And Eddie, I'm going to ask you to, if you'd pick them if you don't mind. I want one person from this side of the room, one person from this side of the room that have had an encounter in God that you can't explain. It's not a demonic encounter and it's not a dream. It might have happened in the night, um, but it it's not just a dream. Because I'm not interpreting dreams right now. That I believe in that and I do that, but that's not what I'm doing. I'm interpreting encounters that you've had with God that you can't explain not encounters with a demon or not a bad thing, but something good, but you don't know how to explain it. I'm going to interpret uh, two of those just as an example today of how we apply wisdom and, uh, and understanding to people's encounters and reconcile it back to Jesus, okay? So we're going to do it real quick, and you have to be able to share your encounter in 30 to 60 seconds. So you can't tell me a long story, you know, I, I, when I was 7, and when I was 11, and when I was 15, it's like, that's awesome for your journal, it's not great for now, okay? Just one encounter, just one thing that happened, and, uh, and something that you can share in 30 to 60 seconds. All right, Eddie, pick one on that side of the room, and then one on this side of the room. And uh, then bring them up here um, on the platform, and I'm going to just interview you. You're able to share your encounter in 30 to 60 seconds, and, uh, and then I'm going to give a, a quick translation of it, and then I'm going to pray for everybody in the room to have an awakening in the Word of God, an awakening in the Word of God, treasuring Jesus, treasuring the Word that's going to open up uh, another realm for you. So guys, come on up on stage. Thank you. Can we just thank these guys for being vulnerable right now?
What's your name? I'm Isaac. Isaac, cool. And Isaac, what happened to you? Uh, in 30 to 60 seconds, what, what was the encounter that you had? And, and give me as much detail as you can with still being brief, okay? You got it. You got it. Okay, so it was the uh, first meeting I had ever been in with uh, Roland Baker. And actually, later that night, um, after I'd probably been asleep for several hours, um, I woke up and my body was totally paralyzed. And I've actually experienced sleep paralysis in the past. But this felt different, and then it felt, I felt safe, and then I felt waves of energy rolling down my body. And it was, it was literally like bars of energy like flowing all the way down my body, and it lasted probably about 30, 40 seconds, something like that. That's awesome. That's so cool. All right, so first of all, the scriptural side is this. Uh, Daniel had a time where it says he fell before the Lord, and it was like he was dead. Okay. And that... Uh, that sleep paralysis kind of state. That's a biblical state that people go into. And it's, it's even similar to what happened to Adam when the Lord put him into a deep sleep so that he could bring Eve um, out um, in, in that moment as well. And, and there's some other instances of this. And on the scientific side, real quickly, you have something in your body called equilibrioception, which is in your vestibular sense and, and the cerebellum of your brain. And it controls three things. It controls balance. It controls your awareness of gravity. And it, it, it controls acceleration. So when somebody falls out in the spirit, it's actually their, uh, their vestibular sense responding to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in the same way that you get goosebumps on your body, um, that is your tactician, your thermal reception that is responding, uh, the heat flux within your body responding to the presence of Holy Spirit. In the same way, your vestibular sense can respond to the presence of the Holy Spirit, and it creates at times a sense of great gravity, and at other times a sense of weightlessness okay, okay. because it affects your perception of gravity, it affects your perception of balance, and it, it affects your uh, sense of acceleration as well, okay? And then uh, the waves that were coming over you, the scripture talks about, Lord, let all your waves break over me, okay? Um, and, and a lot of the things that we take in scripture as metaphor are actually are both poetic and scientific at the same time. A lot of the angelical, a lot of the angelic kingdom is actually on an electromagnetic cycle that's just a little bit faster than our Hertzian scale of visible light. So we don't pick it up with our eyes uh, because our shutter speed isn't fast enough. And, um, and so many times in an impartation, what is happening is these electromagnetic waves of glory are coming over you. And if your shutter speed in your eye was a little faster, you'd actually even be able to see them. Yeah, and, uh, and so these are anointings of types. Uh, they can be cleansing of type um, where, where the Lord is, uh, is doing a deep work in you, you know, something beautiful, something powerful in you. Uh, but often that will come uh, as an impartation that, that the Lord is giving you. And uh, so, Father, right now, we just thank you. <laughs> That you did such a beautiful work in him that, you know, there's times where it's like, Lord, whatever you want to do. And he's like, well, if I was going to do that, I'd have to take you out of the equation for a moment. <laughs> Just so you could get everything that I want to pour into you right now. And the scripture talks about joy unspeakable and full of glory. Things that you can't speak, you can't explain because they're in the glory realm. They're glory waves that are breaking over you. And that's what happened is the, the waves of God's love, the waves of God's glory, 
the impartation of his presence and power was coming over you to, uh, again, uh, align you um, with your new creation in Christ Jesus. And, and it's a wonderful thing, and it just shows how chosen you are of the Lord, that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully towards him so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. And that's some of what happened. And I just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. What happened to you? Uh, when I was 14, I was at the Toronto Blessing. Yeah. And uh, no one was around me. I was in front of my dad. And he said I fell out for 45 minutes. Yeah. And that's pretty much everything. I wasn't going to share it, but I felt like I was supposed to. Yeah. And I have no recollections, but the Holy Spirit's given me pieces at different times of what's happened. But again, it's just weird. Because yeah. I, I don't have any recollection of it whatsoever. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, again, uh, we, we explained a little bit about how um, in the scripture it says this. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, it says, Strong food is for the mature who by reason of practice have trained all their senses to discern both good and evil. And you came into a place where the Lord entrusted you with a level of sensing him. <laughs> and it was a place of maturing. It was a place of coming into strong food. The Lord was saying, you're ready for strong food. You don't have to just have milk anymore. And, um, and so that's an entrustment of God. You know, the Lord trusts you. The Lord believes in you. <laughs> and, uh, and the scripture says in the book of Ephesians, it says, having lost sensitivity, they gave themselves over to sensuality. That means that the original purpose of our senses is not for the sensual realm, but for sensitivity to the kingdom of God. And the Lord, in that moment, was tuning your senses to a place of sensitivity to respond to the touch of the Lord and the voice of the Lord and a new level of yieldedness to his plans and his purpose. And I just bless that over you. Highly favored of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. You can do that. You can do that. Just, you'll notice that I used education. I read some science about the body along with the scripture and along with the, the translating of the Holy Spirit, the translation skills of the Holy Spirit. And you can do the same thing. And uh, I'm going to pray it over you right now. So why don't you stand and then I'm going to pass this mic over. Father, I thank you that because you've anointed this place, because you've called this place, because you've appointed this place to be a lighthouse of the supernatural within this community, not, not alone. There are many other great churches and great fellowships, and some of those leaders are, are here in this room right now. We bless them in the name of the Lord for their house as well. But this church is a lighthouse for the seeker. This, this, this church is a lighthouse for the spiritually hungry. And, and so, Father, we got to prepare ourselves a little bit better. And so, Lord, right now, the spirit of wisdom and understanding and of knowledge that you put upon me, I pray that you would put upon every person in this house. I pray for a spirit of understanding and the knowledge of him. I pray for a spirit of wisdom. I, I, I pray for an increase of the word of God literally coming alive in our hearts.
I pray that it would not just read to us, it would speak to us. I pray that that word would come alive in hearts and minds to make them ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation as if God himself was speaking through people to bring them into a greater treasure of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Father, let no one in this room walk away and just pursue the weird, but let us pursue the wisdom that gives a context to the weird. With all our getting, we will get wisdom. With everything within us, we will get understanding that we might be a light of truth that makes these truths a treasure and brings men to the very feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask it all for your honor, your glory, and for the building of your kingdom. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for your patience tonight. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.